What's up, guys, and welcome to episode 17 of the Yard Podcast. I'm your host, Randy. And I'm your host, Coney. And being a Dodger fan this week has been fantastic. We're recording Wednesday morning, and as of now, our boys in blue are on a seven-game winning streak and have the best record and winning percentage in all of baseball with a record of 18 wins and seven losses. So what feels like different from last week when we were questioning all the Dodgers offense, it seems like we have plenty of positive stuff to talk about this week. So we're excited to get into that really quickly. Before we do, do us a favor and go and leave a rating and review for the podcast. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, we would appreciate it very much. And also you can find us on social media at Dodger Yard on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. You can find my personal Randy underscore Radcliffe on Twitter and IG. And my Twitter and IG is Michael Coney. So let's go ahead and jump into all of the good stuff. Of course, plenty of Dodger news. Um, We had two players announced this week why they actually showed up late to summer camp. On Wednesday, Gonsolin told reporters that he showed up late to camp because he had a false positive COVID test, which when you think about it, it's actually a huge bummer for Gonsolin because he didn't make the opening day roster because he wasn't built up enough to make the starting rotation just yet. So that false positive uh, ended up actually really hurting him, but he's obviously had no problem getting out there and doing his thing, which I'm happy about, but bummer for him. Uh, Same thing. Well, not same thing with Ruiz. Ruiz Kyber actually had COVID Uh, on Tuesday. He told reporters that he showed up late because he tested positive. He was sick for a week and he lost his taste for a few days and had a fever. I think That's it when it comes to all of the guys and why they showed up late. I feel like we've heard from all of them, maybe except for a couple of them, but uh, they're all playing like they're healthy. So that's really all I care about. I know we did hear about Baez losing some of his velocity. Uh, Baez showed up late to camp, didn't he? Yeah. I'm wondering if maybe he, because I don't think we've heard yet why he showed up late. I feel like he's one of the last players. So I know they've talked about his velocity dropping, hopefully. I'm hoping he didn't have COVID. But it would be nice to know if we knew why his velocity was dropping. Um, But with that said, the Dodgers announced this last week that they decided they were going to keep Gonsolin as the rotation, as they should. And with this, they now have a six-man rotation, which consists of Kershaw, Bueller, Urias, May, Stripling, and Gonsolin. So we will see how long that lasts. I don't feel like we really need a six-man rotation. (laughs) Um just because I think you and I can both agree on this. Stripling has been pretty rough to watch these last three starts. Um, I would be good with a five-man rotation. I'm assuming you're right there too. Yeah, I I am good with a five-man rotation, but I'm going to explain a little later why a six-man makes some sense for the Dodgers. All right. Well, let's get into some injury updates uh, because – We've added a couple more guys to the IL since last week, but we've also got one back. Big one, Corey Seager returned to the lineup on Thursday for the first time since August 7th. Since returning on August 13th, he is slashing 269, 321, 654 with an OPS of 975. And that is in six games, which the OPS is good. Rest of the numbers aren't that great when you consider how hot he was before hurting his lower back. However, in his last three games... He is slashing 500, 538 uh, with a 1,083 slugging, 
with an or sorry not slugging uh on base percentage with an op no jesus christ that is slugging <laughs> wow i wrote so many different things that i got myself so confused here um sorry ops of 1622 which is insane so it seems like he's finding his swing again after just needing a couple of games to get comfortable in the box again this is what i get for writing down so many numbers anyways uh seager killing the ball one of the best hitters in i feel like all of baseball right now it sucks he had to lose that week because he was hitting the ball so well but it seems like he's finding his spot we got to see him and his brother kyle hit a home run uh on monday when they played the mariners did you you were watching that game or no yeah i i did and it was it was nice because you know Corey's usually kind of stone-faced doesn't really give off emotions but when kyle hit a home run he smiled and when Corey to homer you can see Kyle smirking at him when he was running third so yeah that was that was fun to see uh Corey's personality come out a little bit more yeah it was I agree there were some pictures that came out after that game and even after Tuesday's game and you could see him kind of smiling like trying not to because clearly especially that game on Monday it was so kind of back and forth with the runs like neither team is going to be like cool good for my brother when the game was going the way it was but like it was kind of yeah. cool to see them finally after all these years get to play each other um, next on the injury updates would be Alex Wood. On Thursday, he threw to hitters in a two-inning simula- simulated game. Uh, for your Gavin Lux update, he was one of those hitters. He continues to get constant at-bats at, uh, from whether it's at the alternate side or even sounds like against guys like Wood who were trying to find their way back. Uh, but that's all we have for Lux. As for Wood, he said his arm slot dropped six inches during his start, and that's when they knew something was wrong. Said it was doing better, but he needed to be more consistent. On Tuesday, he threw a three-inning simulated game and will throw a bullpen by the end of this week. Then his next step is a four-inning game. And feel free to jump in here, say anything you'd need if you'd like, but this goes back to my whole thing about not wanting a five-man rotation. Because since... Wood got hurt. Gonsolin was basically called up to replace him in the rotation. He started three games. He hasn't given up a run. His 14 and two-thirds inning pitched, which is the longest scoreless inning streak by any Dodgers starting pitcher so far this season. And he's only walked two guys while striking out 12. And his whip currently sits at 0.545 or 0.55 if you want to round that up. So Gonsolin, uh, I... I just am impressed every time I watch him. He seems to get better and better. He isn't this big flashy pitcher that's going and going to get you a bunch of strikeouts, but he's effective. He gets the job done. I think Joe Davis said yesterday during the game, I don't know if you heard him, but he had mentioned something along the lines of Gonsolin going out there. And I think it was six. So he threw last night, we know six innings shut out. I think, Davis said that's the first time all season a Dodger uh, starter has gone six innings without giving up a run, which is crazy when you think about our starting rotation. But Gonsolin killing it. Uh, that sounds about right because I know Kershaw gave up. He went seven innings, but he did give up a run to Rendon. That's right. Yeah. And then he had, I think, in Arizona when he came back, he only went like four and two thirds or five innings, something like that. And. We all know yeah. Bueller's not out there shutting anybody out right now, unfortunately, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, <laughs> Edwin Rios was put on the IL on Monday with a hamstring strain. He slid into second base in Anaheim on Sunday. I don't know what happened. We don't really know much of anything that has happened, uh, except for that he pulled his hamstring, has a strain. So 
Dodgers seem to have a curse with that. Hopefully they will be back soon. Uh, Smith also went to the 10-day IL on Saturday. However, it was retroactive to last Thursday, August 13th. He had that uh, stiff neck from, if you remember, the kind of collision at home with Tatis Jr. in San Diego two weeks ago. Locked up on him when he was fielding a bunt in Wednesday's game. And he actually left that game early and Barnes came in to catch. We'll get into a little bit more about what Barnes has done lately. But when we get to, um, since we are talking about catchers, that's all for the injury update. We got to see, and I think all of us were very excited to see Kyber Ruiz make his big league debut. With Smith going on the IL, Ruiz was called up and made his major league debut on Sunday, catching Dustin May against the Angels. With May and Ruiz, they were the youngest battery mates since 2005 for the Dodgers. Um, I think it was for the Dodgers, actually, now that I look at my notes. Oh, youngest for the Dodgers since um, Jackson and Navarro. Okay, so, okay, so yeah, since Navarro and Jackson. Uh, He's only played in the one game so far against the Angels since he was called up Sunday. I will say I kind of thought he was going to get the start last night against Gonsolin because I figured they have some kind of rapport with each other, but... I, I'm okay with Barnes. Been hitting the ball. So Ruiz only played that one game Saturday. He went 0 for 4. However, he did hit a home run, which tied the game up. And he actually became the 14th Dodger this season to hit a home run, uh, which just shows how stacked this. I mean, it's only as of now, we're at what, a 28 man roster? And 13 of those are actually, we're at a 28 man roster. Are the other 14 pitchers, do you know by chance? Uh, I think everybody who's been a hitter has hit a home run. Wow, that's crazy. That's cool. That's awesome. So I think, yeah, I think everyone who's made the big league roster at some point as a hitter has hit a home run. Because Barnes has hit one, right? Barnes hit one. Yes. I know Beatty hit one. Rios has hit four. So, yeah, everyone who's been a hitter has hit a home run. Anyone who's at least had an at-bat, because I can't say on the roster, because McKinstry was up there, but he did not get a chance to hit. Um, And he was – He became the seventh player in Dodger history to hit a homer in his first career at bat. So congrats to him. Good for him. Very happy to see this. We've got a good competition going right now at catcher. Obviously, we can't say much about Ruiz offensively. It's only been one game, but I would like to see him get a couple more games in there. Uh, I can't imagine he stays up when Smith comes back, but you're also not going to set down Barnes, who's surprisingly we've been one of our hotter hitters over the last <laughs> over the last week yeah. uh statistically what a world. yeah we're 2020's just been that year where it's <laughs> the least expected continues to happen and you know what i'm 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 okay with it i'm it's been a good time so um with that that's really all news surrounding players anything going on however the dodgers did announce on thursday that they partnered up with the organization more than a vote as well as david price and lebron james to use the stadium as a voting center for the presidential general election this site will be open over a five-day period uh to be announced later they have not announced dates yet parking will be free to every registered voter in los angeles county the dodgers are the first mlb to do this and of course for those I mean we should all care but the site will follow CDC and social distancing protocols Um, for a lot well I don't want to say for a lot of fans can't speak for a lot of fans I can only speak for myself but I'm very happy they're doing this Um, it 
goes to show kind of what our complaints were, I think, a little bit a couple months ago when all of this stuff started to happen, whether it was Black Lives Matter, police brutality, everything that was going on. We were kind of a little disappointed that the Dodgers weren't doing more. They were just saying stuff. Um, But I think it goes to show recently they are kind of they're making more of an effort to actually do stuff within the community instead of just, hey, we have a voice. We're going to use it. So big shout out to them, to LeBron, and of course, David Price for getting that set up. Please go out and vote. We all need it. We're all, oh God, just please go out and vote. That's all I'm going to say on that right now. Just go out and vote, please. Um, One other thing, Mookie, being the great guy he is, held a giveaway on Sunday in Compton. It was to provide the community with hand sanitizer, face masks, food, health screenings, and more. When he spoke to reporters about it, he said he considers L.A. his new home now, which was so great to hear, and he wants to make an impact. So Betts is making his mark in L.A. I know you had some comments on that that you would like to make. Uh, So, okay. Uh, like people like to talk about role models, and I think that's what Mookie Betts is. I think he's a role model. He hasn't been in LA all that long, and he's already helping communities in different ways, trying to impact them positively. And getting deeper into it, I feel like having him and David Price in LA for the foreseeable future could be a, a, a good thing, and hopefully getting more black kids involved in the sport and building the sport up that way. Now, I must say, like I've been happy seeing all the black players from the Angels and Mariners that I wasn't aware of. So salute to the Angels and Mariners. And I think like the more black players that there are, uh, there's more likely a chance some kids would be exposed to it and see that there's more sports than just basketball and football. Of course, there's still an issue of the cost of equipment and the tournaments for travel ball, but getting exposure could still be a good way to get kids interested in the sport. Yep, I completely agree. And you made a really good point now that you say it. Like, I kind of noticed it during the game, but I didn't think too much about it. But you're right with the Angels and the Mariners. We actually did see quite a few uh, black players out there. And they were doing pretty yeah. good. We saw Brian. I think it was Brian Goodman, Goodwin in Goodwin, Anaheim. Yeah. Uh, Joe Adele. We also saw, we saw, uh, was it Kyle Lewis? Was that the guy? Kyle, bo- bo- Kyle Boy? Yeah. That's the center fielder, right? Yeah, he yeah, can play. that basically I looked like he robbed Turner of a home home run last night. Turner uh, got hits, showed his speed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, good point. That was cool to see. Um, and I will say it's cool that the Dodgers have a person of color as their face of the franchise right now. That's out there doing it. Like we've seen Kershaw do so many stuff, so much stuff for the community. We've seen Turner and all of that is great. It means just as much, but like you said, uh, baseball's really struggling right now with bringing the younger generation in, especially players of color, especially the black community. So it's great that Mookie and price are out there doing what they can to help, uh, because it's, we need more fun in the sport. We need more, we need everything in the sport, not just like, the reason why I'm saying this is because the whole Fernando Tatis Jr. thing last night, like this sport has so much that <laughs> needs to be changed and we need people that are going to push the limits, which is what guys like Tatis Jr. are doing out there. Uh, we just need people to make this game more fun. And yeah, I, I don't know why, but it just seems like white players aren't the guys to do that. I don't know why it seems some of them are up like doing it a little bit more, but 
it, we just need more baseball all around to be fun for everybody. Um, and I think Mookie does a good job of being exciting every single night and does that. And so I'm right there with you. I think it's great for the sport. I'm excited to see. <laughs> I can't get over the fact he's going to be here for 12 years. Um, and I actually don't know if you saw this because I haven't really seen the Dodgers announce anything and he hasn't announced much. But did you know he actually started a foundation since coming to L.A.? Not. So this foundation did not exist prior to uh, L.A. When he tweeted out the other day that he was doing a giveaway in Compton, he had tagged his foundation. And the first post of his foundation is from five days ago. So if you want to check it out, Mookie's foundation is Axe, A-C-T-S, inspired by Mookie. It's on Instagram. Uh, obviously all around him, but it's great. It's so his very first post is acts inspired by Mookie foundation was established to assist those facing medical and economic hardships. So check that out. Um, should be a lot of fun to watch. We've always known Mookie as someone who wants to help in the community. He's always been very quiet about it, but with him getting a foundation, hopefully we will get to see a lot more of that. And we are about to get into our questions, but before we do that, couple interesting things that have happened in the last week little side notes to talk about Mookie had his three homer game on Thursday night against the Padres he hit three home runs for the sixth time in his career tying him with Johnny Mize and Sammy Sosa now to put this into perspective for you um Mookie bets three home runs six time in his career that ties the all-time record for most three homer games it took Mize so it took Johnny Mize 2,354 games to get his sixth three homer game and it took Sammy Sosa who we all know hit plenty of home runs through the steroid era everything that happened 1,884 now do you have do you have any idea how many it took bets do you know or no uh I think I saw it, but I don't recall. I want to say it's like in the 800s. Yeah, it took him 813 games to do it. And the dude is only 27 years old. Yeah. Like, it took him a 1,000 plus less games than it did Sammy Sosa. It took Sammy Sosa 1,884. It took Betts 813. He has 12 more years with the Dodgers to break this record, and I can only imagine it's going to happen uh I can't imagine it doesn't with his skill set and I I gotta say it bums me out because those are the games that I wish we could be at the stadium those are the games yeah. where I can only imagine when even when he goes deep the first time like it's Mookie Betts that stadium's gonna lose its shit every time when he goes deep but imagine that second home run and then imagine the third home run of the night when he hits that. And you know Dodger fans pay attention to those types of records during the game. So fans would have known and it would have people would have gone nuts. Um, so Mookie, please do not do it again this season. Hold it until at least <laughs> next year. Wait for the fans to be there. I don't care if it's on the road. Uh, I don't know if I'm the only one who feels this way, but in 20... Actually, I don't know if they'll go back to Boston, but they're supposed to play the AL East again. I think it is in 2022. Um, they went to Boston this last time. I don't know if they'd go there again, but part of me kind of felt like it'd be cool if he did it like against Boston, just like almost a slap in the face of their fan base because their fan base is a bunch of assholes and all they did was talk shit on us the entire time thinking Betts wouldn't play. But I also want it to happen at Dodger Stadium because I want our fan base to be there. But either way, Mookie, hold off. Let us be there. We would all really appreciate it. Um, the bullpen, the bullpen has been absolutely <laughs> dominating all of baseball. 
These stats are prior to last night's game, which the Dodgers did. I think the bullpen, was it McGee who gave up the wolf? The run was was charged to him, I think. But Trinan, or whoever came and gave up the run, but the run was charged, I think, to McGee. Uh, So prior to last night's game, I don't think this really affected much. The bullpen ranks first in ERA, second in opponent. It was Alexander. Oh, it was, oh yeah, that's right, because they brought him in to get the ground balls, and he got the ground ball, yeah. but they decided to sacrifice the run and get the out. That's right. Uh, second in whip, first in opponent slugging, and they are either fourth or fifth. I think they might be fifth now uh, with percentage of inherited runners scored because Alexander inherited that run last night. So I believe they're fifth in baseball off of that. Uh, Again, insane. Keep it up bullpen. You guys are killing it. It's kind of funny that I I had brought this up a week ago. I don't think on the podcast, but I found it extremely ironic that the year our bullpen is just full dominating. Our offense wasn't hitting for like the first two, three weeks of the season. Like, yeah. this is the bullpen we've all been dying for for years. And now all the pieces are finally starting to come together, and it's a beautiful well, team. you got to hope they continue. Yeah. Yeah. We have seen them get a little shaky over these last couple games. They've been able to work out of it. But, yeah, that's that's a fair point. It's, it's very early in the season. We've seen a lot of hitters struggle. So uh, it seems like some guys are finally starting to find their swings across baseball. We shall see what happens. Last thing before going into the questions, I just thought this was a cool stat to keep an eye out for. Next week, the Dodgers will play the Texas Rangers. Texas Rangers are the only team left in baseball that Jansen does not have a save against. So they will be playing them sometime this uh, season twice, once in Texas, I think, and uh, once in L.A. Well, more than one game, but one series in Texas, one series in L.A. So Jansen will have a chance at that. Uh, I also think we're playing the AL West again next year just because that's the way the schedule is set. So he's going to have multiple opportunities to do it. I hope he gets it done because that would be really dope. He'd have a save against all 29 teams in baseball. Now – With that said, we'll get to the part that we actually really enjoy. It's the questions. I've been talking a lot, but I'm going to finish this one up. Uh, I'm going to do this one first, and then you're finally going to get some talking in because (laughs) the people want you to talk, according to the reviews, even though I know you're not a big talker, and this is the format we both prefer, but the people want you to talk, so you need to talk is all I'm going to (laughs) say. So for our hitter and pitcher of the week, I'm going to go quickly. Uh, I don't know if it'll be quickly because I'm impressed. My hitter of the week, I'm going to go with Barnes. He's not putting up the flashy home run numbers, RBIs numbers, but he's had one hell of a last week. And as someone who has constantly shit on Barnes for his lack of offense production, which I feel like the entire fan base does, uh, I only felt right to give it to him this week because he is killing. He's killing it. Since Smith got hurt, which was August 12th, Barnes is slashing 500 524 650 with an OPS of 1174. Uh again, insane, killing it. This is over a span of 20 at bats. So this isn't just like he's had 5 to 10 at bats. He's getting lucky. He's hitting the ball hard. Um nobody expected this when he took over for the last week. He did tell us that Mookie Betts has been giving him some hitting lessons which is clearly paying off. Uh so whatever he's doing, Betts keep helping him. We need it. I think it's funny because last week's episode, I literally said last Wednesday as we 
as we recorded, I said Ruiz should replace Barnes because he couldn't do any worse offensively than Barnes. And Barnes basically told me to fuck off and I respect <laughs> it and I couldn't be any happier to be wrong. I love being wrong about baseball stuff when it comes to stuff like this. So thank you, Barnes. We all really appreciate it. Uh, look at what he did last night. He let off the inning, I think, or I don't even know if he let off the inning, but it was he got on base, stole second base, scored at a close play at home. So he's he's getting it done. I respect it. Pitcher of the week pretty easy for me I went with Tony Gonsolin he started on August 12th and August 18th uh he's thrown 10 and two-thirds scoreless innings while giving up five hits striking out 11 and only walking one opponent's batting average during this time has only been 139 so he's killing it that's my hitter that's my pitcher of the week uh I know you're not going to agree with my hitter I'm curious to see who your pitcher is so give it to me Okay, so for hitter, I went with Wookie uh, Betts. Um, but also, I do want to give a shout-out to Austin Barnes because he's been great. Um, but like you mentioned, he attributed to uh, Mookie Betts working with him. So, um, yeah, over the past week, Mookie's hit three fifty five. He's got 11 hits, five home runs. He scored 10 runs all in a week span. So this was a pretty easy call for me as far as hitter of the week goes. Pitcher was a little more difficult. I Figured you would go Gonsolin, so I went Kershaw. Um, I just felt like Kershaw faced a better lineup with facing the, the Angels with seven innings. He only gave up one hit, which was the home run to Rendon. Um, I, he was really, really good, especially coming off that bad start against the Giants. Um, however, it does display what I've said about Kershaw that we don't know which Kershaw we're getting on every given night. We're, I guess we're going to find out the next time he pitches. Is it? Is he going to pitch against the Mariners? Uh, yes. He's yes. It's him and Kikuchi. I think tomorrow, Thursday. So who pitches today? Uh, Urias. Okay. And Taiwan yes, Walker. So. so. Got it. okay. Yes. Yeah. So um, I guess we'll find out tomorrow how how Kershaw looks if it's going to be. The Kershaw we've seen against the Diamondbacks and Angels or the one against the Giants. Um, but, yeah, so it was Betts and Kershaw for me. Okay. And speaking of pitchers, uh, Alex Wood will be back soon. So what do you do with him when uh, he returns? And honestly, I'm going to say I, I don't know. <laughs> I guess for me it's going to really depend on how much longer the Dodgers are going to employ the six-man rotation. I mean, despite Bueller's struggles, you obviously can't take him out. I feel like May and Gosling have really earned it, and Kershaw and Udias are better. So the easy answer is to remove Stripling because he has struggled quite a bit and should probably go back to his bullpen spot. However, I I don't have any confidence in Alex Woods, so I'm still not sure I would make that move. Now, I know you talked about it earlier. Personally, I prefer a five-man rotation, but I understand the Dodgers are going to the six because they're erring on the side of caution and hopefully and hoping to avoid injury. So what, what do you think about that? I'm kind of basically on the same exact place that you are at. Um, I, my answer was basically send him to the bullpen. Uh, and that's because it's my thought process is long-term five man. I just don't, the six man isn't going to be like, I don't think it's what they'll do the rest of the season. I could be wrong. I am almost 99% positive. There's no way we would ever see it in the playoffs. So I'm kind of thinking all ahead at once. 
Uh, so I just I don't know. I feel like you have to send him to the bullpen. There's no there's no way at all that I can personally justify a starting rotation spot for him over any of the guys that are in there. The only one who he has who you could argue he would be better than is like you mentioned, maybe Bueller and Stripling, but you can't remove Bueller because we all know Bueller is the better pitcher. He just has to find it. Um, so the only way I see him in the rotation is if they give him Stripling's spot. May's earned it. Gonsolin's earned it. Both of them are going to be here for hopefully a very long time. Wood is on a one-year contract. I just, you can't go and give that up uh, for Alex Wood. I'm sorry, Wood. I know that was your whole thing with coming here, but I just, I don't know. It can't happen. I, I need the rotation to keep the guys in there. Give me Kershaw, Bueller, Urias, May, Gonsolin. If you're going to have a six-man, him and Stripling can spot start each other for all I care. Uh, But... I don't want to see any of those other five five guys lose a rotation spot for Alex Wood. Um, with that said, on to the next question. Who has been the best player on the Dodgers this first month? Easily for me, I could. it's Mookie Betts. Only other player that comes to close to my mind is Seager. But Mookie has had the stronger start, in my opinion. Through 24 games, he's slashing 305, 359, 653 with nine home runs. He, which is tied third in all of baseball, 21 RBIs, tied sixth in all of baseball, and 29 hits, which is top 10 in all of baseball. He leads the Dodgers in runs, hits. He's tied in doubles. He leads in home runs, RBIs, slugging, and OPS. So it's pretty hard to be much better than that. Uh, I'm kind of guessing you're going to go with the same, but if you are, I still want to hear what you're going to say. If not, I'm even more surprised and want to hear what you would have to say. Okay, so I think... uh... The best player this first month is by far Austin Barnes. <laughs> okay. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Uh, it's, it's I was going to say, I, we're giving him credit, but let's not, let's not take it no, too No, far. no, I'm just kidding. No, it's Kike Hernandez, let's be honest. Um, All right, you're about no. to lose your spot on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's Betts, and it's by a pretty wide margin. I mean, offensively, defensively, there's nothing he can't do. And I think what Betts is doing is he's showing that there's a levels to this. The home runs, the speed, and a little people overlook is the base running, whether it's taking the extra base or whatever the case may be, stealing bases. That's a, a huge part of it, and Mookie does that very well. He also makes uh, difficult plays look routine. There's a reason why he's the MLB leader in war so far. Yes, that will include Tatis Jr., who's just on a completely different level right now. He's so much fun to watch. But Mookie has a better uh, war. I know war isn't everything, but Mookie has a better war so far. Um, so I think he shows every day why he's currently leading. Even when he goes 0 for 4 or whatever the case may be, there's, he does, whether it's small, something small or something big, that shows you just how great he really is. Um, and also, I guess, I should say this now, but for the rest of the season, the top two in the order should be Betts and Seager. Yep, That's they it. should. And I do want to yeah. say, because you mentioned the base running which I feel like doesn't get enough credit and it should because our base running has been disgusting on multiple levels this season but yeah Bet's baseball IQ is off the charts it's insane like when he plays the game his IQ is kind of on levels that I feel like we don't really see in baseball um he knows what he's doing with the ball every time before he gets it but 
it's just it's so much fun to watch it's incredible Fernando Tatis Jr. same thing so much fun to watch but I think he's still young there's things he's still learning about the game and I don't mean the unwritten rules fuck the unwritten rules um so dumb but I just think he like he's still learning he's on the base pass, the way he runs and stuff, he's just, you can see the difference between someone. The skill set is very close, I think, to one another when it comes to Tatis and Mookie. Uh, but you can see the difference of baseball IQ and the maturity. It's, like, not even close between the two of them. Right. And just real quickly, there's a reason why Mookie Betts is second behind Trout in war since, like, 2012. Yeah. He's that damn good. Yeah. Yes, he is. And, uh... So going from one um, outfielder to uh, another. So who broke Jock Peterson? Uh, I I don't know what's going on with Jock, but he's been a negative on the offense and defense end. He has two hits in his last 22 at-bats, which is pretty horrid. Now he's only struck out four times in that span, so he's putting the ball in play, but it's just been weak contact and ground balls. And I've seen a few plays defensively where he – wasn't giving the effort that he should have going after the ball and they fall for hits. He doesn't look like he's having any kind of fun out there whatsoever. I, he just needs to sit down for me. I'm beyond caring about him finding his swing. Now there's a difference between being frustrated, i.e. Muncy and Bellinger who yell or look up at the sky like, you've got to be kidding me. And then just not caring where I think that's where uh, Peterson falls in. Now for the most part, it seems like he just doesn't care. Now, I'm sure that's probably not the case at all. However, to me, that's just how it's coming off, the energy he's giving off. Now, I know Pollock has cooled off of some, but I'd rather he still be in there or Beatty play left field, who can do that in the pinch, or Taylor, or hell, even Kike at this point. Because Peterson is really providing literally nothing. He's actually hurting the team. His war, no wars and everything, but his war is minus. 0.4. That's not great, especially in a short month. Now, Jock is known to get hot and cold really quickly, but this is a prolonged cold streak, and in such a short season, it matters that much more. I don't think he deserves to be out there or even on the roster. Now, I know he was hurt during the first spring training a little bit, so if he if he has a lingering in- injury, then put him on the IL. Otherwise, if he has options, send his ass down. I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. Now, do you think that the almost trade to the Angels mess with him mentally? Wait, wait, wait. Hang on. You said he has how many strikeouts this season? No, I meant he just his last 22 at-bats, he had four. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Because I was going to say his strikeout numbers are, seem pretty high for him, which he's Yeah, it's, been... it's about his, his strikeout percentage is about the same as always, but I just meant okay. the last okay. 22 at-bats okay, okay. four times, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's pretty bad. Uh, looking at his OPS plus, which there's always arguments is what stats to use, what not. OPS plus is your on base plus slugging. And basically, if you have 100 OPS, you are league average. If you are above it, whether it's a 105, you're 5% better than league average. If you're under it, 95, you're 5% less than league average, 5% worse. Uh, so to put that into perspective for you, Jock has a 56 OPS oh, plus, God. which is uh, the only season he's had worst was 2014 when he was called up for like 18 games. So he is 44% worse than league average. And oh. that is uh, that 
has to be the worst on the team. The only next person I oh, can by far. think of, yeah, the only next person I can think of is Kike, and Kike's 30 points higher than him. Uh, let me see Muncie. No, because Muncie's been walking a shit ton. So. Yeah, Muncie's been walking. Yeah, I Muncie's, think actually, Muncie's think... at 83, so Muncie's worse than uh, Kike, which is surprising, but... I don't know. Really? Yeah, he's got an 83. It's only three, but my... my oh, well, OPS has nothing okay, to do with... So, OPS plus is on-base plus slugging. Yeah. And it's adjusted Muncy to the pl- has, player's ballpark. Muncy has five home runs and a shit ton of walks, and he's still lower than Kike. Yeah, for a second, I thought maybe it was defense, but walks. then I realized it has nothing to do with defense. So, I don't know how that's... Uh, yeah, I, I don't get that one. I don't know either. Anyways, back to Jock. Uh... Oh, his OPS is a little bit higher than Muncie's. That's why. Um, back to Jock. I agree with you. Uh, I don't know what it is. I think he might just be a victim of the 2020 coronavirus season. We're seeing it all over the league. Players are struggling. The only other thing that comes to my mind is maybe the stress with this being a contract year. Uh, I don't think that's the case. I could be wrong. Every player is different. Otherwise, like I said, I think he's just basically kind of still in spring training like a bunch of these other guys. But I agree with you. He's not providing the team anything whatsoever. There's nothing positive coming out of his at-bats, him on defense, anything like that. Um, I do want to say, though, where you said something about maybe he doesn't care. I've always kind of got this vibe that Jock has a lot more talent and potential than he truly puts out on the field. Um He's always kind of given me this vibe that I have the talent to be a big league player, so I'm going to be a big league player, but I'm not going to go above and beyond to try to be better. He has always kind of seemed slightly lazy to me. I kind of feel like we saw it his first year when he was, what, 30-30 in the PCL and then comes up and, like, puts on all this weight, doesn't steal any bases, um, all that kind of stuff. So he I lost his center field spot to Kike. Yeah. Like I hope that's not the case. I know his wife is pregnant with their second child. And so there's always, of course, which I would not blame him at all. There's always the case that the stress of coronavirus, everything going on, uh, obviously pregnant women are at much higher risk. So there could be a lot of stuff like that going on. It's a weird season. Uh, but when you, take everything away and look at the fact that this is the baseball team and their job is to win. Uh, Unfortunately, you have to put the rest of that stuff aside. And if Jock can't figure it out, no matter the reason, then the Dodgers have to do something about it. They can't continue to just leave him in there. Um, I feel like with Muncie, I said, leave him in there. I kind of feel like you still have to. Uh, He's not, I don't really think he's really a bat to that. They can replace because Kike's not doing much unless they're going to bring up Lux. Uh, but Jock, I think, is one that I just don't know if you can continue to let him play through. Um, no, I don't. I don't think you should continue to let him play. Yeah, and you did bring up a good point about his wife being pregnant and the stress of Corona. It, if that's truly the case, I know it's a contract year, so it's not smart to opt out. But family should come first, and he should opt out if that's the case because it's really weighing him and the team down. Yeah, and I mean, he. We all see he gets plenty of that sponsor money on Instagram. He loves doing his spawn cons. Um, 
I don't think he's struggling with money. He got a pretty decent contract. I think it was what it was supposed to be seven million this year. I think something like that. Seven point four. Obviously, he didn't get it. He got half of it. But I think he's doing fine. At the case that he could have opted out and had been okay. And I would almost think that I understand guys like bets. Your value is not going to change much. Uh, but I kind of feel like if he was worried about that contract year opting out might have been more ideal because he could have gotten 160. Well, we're hoping 162 game season next year uh, with everything going on. But, but he's a free agent after this year, so he would need this year to show them that I can still do this. Yeah, but I'm saying if he opted out, he would have stayed with the team next season too, and he could have used 162. You think so? Yeah, oh, he, yeah, because yeah, he wouldn't have yeah, gotten yeah, service right. time. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but again, he probably didn't think, like, I'm going to be ass when I go out there. So, like, he probably thought I'll be okay. And I hope he gets there. Uh, He's always been a big playoff hero. So, I want him to find his swing because we know he can come through. Uh, Something interesting I actually did see on the tele... Was, it was, did he start last night? No. No? Wait. Yeah. Dude, coronavirus has my time. It's like such a disaster. Like everything just blends in. It's like one long day at this point. I think he he did. Hold on, let me check my notes. I'm Whether pretty sure it was he... last night or Monday. No. Okay. No, 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 no. Then it was Monday when he started. There was a note that he is now seeing the lowest percent of uh fastballs I think in all of baseball, which is what he hits. He can't hit the soft stuff, and he's now seen like the second highest rate of soft stuff in all of baseball. So they're figuring him out, and that has been problematic for him. Uh, but we need him to find it if he's going to stay on the roster. Luckily, this team is kicking ass pretty much on every cylinder except for him, Bellinger, and Muncie. So not having too many issues, but, yeah, he's he's going to have to figure it out. Yeah. And the are- thing is, at least with Bellinger and Muncie, even though it's sparingly, they've hit the ball pretty hard at yeah. times. Yeah. So there's still, like, some hope there. Like, oh, okay, you're starting to find it. Whereas Peterson is... is even when he makes contact, it's just soft contact. It goes nowhere, ground up to second base. Yeah, and well, and not just that. Like, Bellinger's defense alone is reason to keep him in there and to keep yeah. pushing through because his defense is so valuable that you're not replacing another player whose offense is that much better than him that you can take away that defense. Um, whereas with Jock, he's just not really providing any of that. And same thing with Muncie. You mentioned it. You see the frustration and the anger. They seem like they're very bothered by this. And... I I don't think every player is like that, but I think as fans, yeah. every fan appreciates when a player looks pissed off when they're struggling. Um so Yeah, because to me that that shows me that they care that they're 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 messing up. So yeah. when Bellinger or Muncie strike out, you see them visibly frustrated, or when they hit the ball hard and somebody makes a nice play, they look up at the sky like you you've got yeah. you've got to be kidding me right now. Yeah. So on to the next question. Uh, who would you rather have had Cole or Betts? My answer, I literally just put Betts next question, but in all, in all honesty, um, I usually, if it was any other outfielder besides maybe Betts and Trout, I might go with Cole. Uh, I don't maybe, Oh, Yelich too? Mi- well, I know Yelich struggle, but it's not even so much that it's just the fact that Actually, I don't know. Maybe Yelich too. I maybe Bellinger if he had not sucked so much this season, but still then I I would still take Acuna as well though. Yeah, Acuna too. My thing with outfielders, I always feel like they're much easier. They're the easiest position to replace, in my opinion, is an yeah. outfielder because there's just an abundance of them. Um starting pitchers it can be somewhat easy. Elite starting pitchers, probably the hardest thing in baseball to find. Uh to co- yeah. to replace. So 
with Cole, you obviously have that. However, with the Dodgers rotation, I think Cole would have been huge, but I think someone like Betts was much more needed. His tangibles on this team, just everything that he can provide, I think is much more important um, than what Cole would have been able to provide. And Betts is out there every single day where we would have had Cole every five games. Um, so I just, yeah, it was, that one was easy for me. It was Betts right off the bat. I didn't even have to really think about it. Yes. So like I saw this question floating around, um, and I was wondering where me, that came from. Yeah, I, I forgot where I, I know I saw it on Twitter. Somebody posted it and then I saw one on Instagram, too, I think. And I was like, oh, interesting. I didn't know this was a thing, but sure, let's ask and see what happens. Um, but yeah, the answer is Betts. Uh, like you mentioned, pitching or at least starting pitching is very important. But I'd rather have somebody who can impact the game every day. And that is Mookie Betts. Um, Cole is great, but Betts is and has been better yep that is correct that's pretty much it but speaking really quickly before you move on just and then you can go uh i want to hear what everyone else has to say if you're listening to this episode add us on twitter send us a message on instagram or anything facebook wherever you're listening from let us know would you have rather had garrett cole for what was it the nine years 10 years whatever or mookie Betts for what the dodgers signed him for 12 so let us know i'm curious as to if there's a popular opinion around that okay so uh talking about cole's at least starting pitchers speaking of at least starting pitchers um when does walker bueller start to look like the walker bueller we know is it going to be the next start a couple more starts like it's been a weird year and I know he took time to spend it with his fiance. Congratulations! And he's a notoriously slow starter at this uh, at this point. So like we should be expecting that from him. Um, and we sh- we should also be expecting the best from Bueller towards the end of the season. Uh, I'm sure it'll be way before then. But for the Dodgers' sake, him getting rolling when it matters the most is going to be the most important thing for them. It's going to be huge for the team. Um, so if he's rolling like September and beyond, that's only going to help the team. Now the fastball has seemed pretty flat, and I want to say that the, his last few starts he's thrown it pretty hard, but he's still missing where he usually throws it. He likes to throw it high in the zone, and it's been up over the plate. His breaking ball hasn't been breaking all that much as well. So it it would be nice to see if he can kind of find a rhythm within the next few starts going forward. How do you feel about it? Um, I'm there with you. I think, like you said, with Bueller, uh, what we really need is for him to shut it down. He's clearly been our best postseason pitcher over these last two years uh, in the postseason. So I need him to step up then because if he doesn't, it's basically like, what has he done for us this season? Uh, However, if it doesn't come in the next two to three starts, I don't know if we're going to see it at all. He's kind of already been out there for a few starts. Whether he's a slow starter or not, that's fair. I feel like I really thought it was, I think, his third start of the season was maybe the turning point we were going to see. And it wasn't. We saw that last outing. Uh, yes, congratulations to him and his fiance. However, I'm still annoyed at the fact that he showed up to camp completely unprepared and he's easily been the worst pitcher on the staff, uh, with an ERA of 521, which Stripling just passed in his last start. So now Stripling has the higher ERA, but overall, uh, Bueller's been pretty bad for the most part. Besides, I think that one start where he went like five innings and I think he gave up one or two runs, um, 
And just to put that into context, no other Dodger on the team even has a four ERA. Stripling and Bueller are the only ones who have an ERA over four. And theirs are in the fives. No Dodger has a four. Uh, and Stripling and Bueller are the only ones at five. So those are both problems that need to be figured out. I think Stripling, unfortunately, might be figured out in the bullpen. Uh, just depends, especially because it's not like he's he's struggling against not that great of teams recently, like giving up as much as he did against uh, the Mariners was not good. That just can't be happening. Uh, but as for Bueller, you expect so much more from him than what you expect from Stripling. So I don't know, but I hope it comes soon. Uh, not just for the fact that he's absolutely killing my fantasy team, but just for the fact that like, <laughs> We need this as fans because Bueller's supposed to be that guy for us. So we need him to find it sooner rather than later. Like I said earlier about Jock struggling, at least the rest of the pitching staff has been pretty solid for the most part. Uh, don't have to worry about that. And uh, on to the, well, we have one more fantasy question at the end of this, but to the last of the regular questions, um, according to baseball reference, Kike leads MLB in defensive war, which is, We've spoken about it a few times. It's wins above replacement for those that don't know. And is that surprising? And does it line up with what we've seen so far this season? So Kike has a 0.9 war on the season. Like you had, you looked it up. That leads all of baseball. Uh, that's all from defense. He's got a negative 0.1 on offense. So clearly he's doing nothing on the offensive side. <laughs> and it sort of surprises me because he's made a couple good plays, but I didn't think it would have him at the top of the defensive war stats uh I I just I don't know I guess I expected him to be up there because his defense has always been great mm -hmm. but I feel like he hasn't done anything that puts him right at the top because I think you mentioned what Taylor and Mookie are at number three yeah and that is that all of baseball or the Dodgers all of baseball so like that's weird to me because I feel like Taylor and Mookie have both done more defensively especially Taylor I think Taylor's had two outfield yeah. assists one that saved the game and then uh I forget, I'm blanking on the other one it literally just happened but Taylor I feel like has done better defensively than really almost anyone on the Dodgers uh so I, I don't know that's my thoughts I kind of surprised by it but Kike does play incredible defense so that's where I'm at with that one yeah so I want to say, like, I feel the same. It it was a bit surprising to me. Um, I mean, that's great for him, but I guess for me personally, I I just don't think I've seen that. Um, I think he's been good, but I think clearly I've missed some things. Obviously, uh, like you had mentioned, I thought Chris Taylor has been better. Um, don't get me wrong, Kike has made some good plays. I just think Taylor has made great plays and more good plays. Um, also, um. I've seen some plays where, you know, there's plays where Kike should have gotten to the ball, but he, so like there was one against the, the Angels. Was it that hard ground ball? Had it. it was a ground ball. It went off his glove and yeah. the Angels scored two runs. Um, and then there was a relay throw that hit Muncie in the nuts. I don't know what that was about. <laughs> um, So, but Kike's always been really good defensively. So if he continued to do this and, uh, I'm assuming he will because, again, he's always been good. He's going to get paid regardless. Um, don't know where it's going to be. Probably San Francisco. Um, so, yeah, uh, good for Kike. But, yeah, I was 
very surprised because to me, Taylor has been the best defensively, and then Mookie, and then Kike, but I guess I was wrong. So we're going to get on to our fantasy question. It's just, so I want to preface this by saying this is not going to happen at all. Um, I was just seeing a lot of uh, Gavin Lux proposals for players, and I wasn't really liking them, so I decided to make one or two that, I don't know, I, I like. So um, would you trade Gavin Lux and Tony Gonsolin for Tim Anderson, or would you trade Lux and two high-potential starters for Anderson? So I'm going to say as far as the first one goes, Lux and Gonsolin, that's going to be a big no for me. Um, the second one, however, I might seriously consider, I might have to do it. I, I am a really big fan of Tim Anderson. I love his energy. He's great for the sport. Um, I would love to have him on the team, put him at short and move Seager to third and having a top three or however you want to put it of Anderson Seager bets or bets Anderson Seager, whatever the case may be, sounds amazing to me. Uh, Anderson had led the league in hits last year. He's fast, uh, and with the way the Dodgers shift their defense, his defense should improve. Now, obviously, none of that matters because the White Sox aren't even going to entertain offers for him, but I just thought it was like a fun fantasy question. So where are you at with it? I'm actually very angry you asked this because you know how I feel about Tim Anderson. (laughs) And the fact that I had to walk away with my answer is no made me very upset. Um, But... I totally missed the first part where you had even added Gonsolin's name. And like, obviously that one's a no Two upcoming pitchers. I, so I missed the, so Gons- like a, like a beater or a Bobby Miller or oh, something shit. like that. Maybe a Mitchell white. Okay. Well, when you, okay. So like I said, when I first initially read the question, I totally missed Gonsolin. All I saw was Lux and two upcoming pitchers. So when, so the first thing my head went to was an up and coming pitcher which I guess he's not up and coming. I thought of like a Gonsolin. I was like, there's no way in hell that's happening. Uh, so first, before we go into the upcoming pitchers, this was my thought process. Obviously, I love the guy. Love Tim Anderson. Uh, my thing was, he's going to be 28 next season compared to Lux only being 23. As of now, because Lux has not played this year, he still has six full years of control. Uh, Anderson would have four years left. My thing with Anderson is he's 100% proven. There's no doubt about that. Lux is clearly not. I just worry about trading away that much control and that much talent uh, for a guy who Tim Anderson's great, but we've only really seen him do it for 2019 and some of 2020. But when you mention the up-and-coming pitchers as someone like Clayton Beater or maybe even Bobby Miller, I'm excited for Bobby Miller. However, that's still going to be at least two years away, uh, most likely. It, probably three until he sees any full-time action with the way that we're stacked uh, pitching-wise. So now I don't know. Now I'm kind of stuck with maybe. Um, I just The thing that kills me is the age difference, is the five-year age difference that Tim or Anderson is going to be leaving his prime in probably the next season or two, and Lux won't even be hitting it for another two, three seasons. Uh, he's gonna be leaving his prime. Yeah, he's gonna be. Dude's gonna be thirty in two years. He's twenty-seven. Yeah, he's gonna be twenty-eight next season. Where I'm not really counting this year as a year of seasons. So he's next year's his twenty-eight season. So he's probably got two, three years left of his prime. In two, three years, Lux will just be entering his prime. That's all I was saying. And it's nothing against Anderson. I love Anderson. I actually don't know now what I would do. I might actually say yes. 
because of the names, the two pitchers you gave me. It just depends. I'm all I'm saying is I've got nothing against Anderson. He still has multiple years left of his prime. I'm saying the only thing that is hard for me to look at is the age difference is trading away someone who's only going to be 23 with six years of control versus trading someone who's going to be 28 with four years. He's still got four years and he's not making that much money. Um, so I don't know. Now I'm stuck at a major. That, that was my thing is he's not making that much money. He still has a lot of years left. Well, not a lot, but mo- yeah, he's more got than multiple. what it's not like one or two. The Dodgers originally gave up Verdugo for bets. Bets was just this season. So I thought this was kind of like a no brainer to do. It's it. I will say with the two upcoming pitchers, it has changed my mind at first. I went no right away because like I said, the upcoming pitchers, I didn't think of someone like beater. Um, it, it's a hard question. I, it's hard because we don't know much about Lux, which I guess is kind of the whole point of the trade. Like you just don't know what you're going to get. Um, I might do it just for like the funness. I think that he would bring to the team, uh, in that personality. And I think he would be an incredible fit in LA. Um, I just think at that point, I almost feel like you kind of have to lock up Seager to put it third base. Yeah. Uh, Cause then you're trading away, obviously Lux, who was supposed to be that long-term shortstop replacement. So I feel like at that point you have to lock up Seager long-term to at least play third base. If you're going to have Anderson. Um, now you, you did, I want to say that you did bring up a good point that it's only been uh, last year and so far this year. And again, he's last year was, he was 26, this year he's 27. So he, he originally came up when he was 23, struggled ages 23 to 25. Now, this could be something that happens with Lux. Maybe he struggles from 23 to 25, and then it clicks, and all of a sudden he's good the rest of his career. I'm not saying Anderson will be good for the rest of his career. I'm just saying it could. this could be the trajectory that Lux is on. I'm hoping he's better than that. But um, so, I mean, his uh, – Anderson's first year, he wasn't that bad, actually. Yeah, he wasn't. I but looked at his numbers. He was not bad at all. I mean, 17 and 18 was pretty bad, though. Yeah. But, it, again, it's it's a, it's a he's playing for the White Sox. It's not – I don't know how good – I don't know how good their development are. They clearly have a great farm system, so I'm not even going to pretend to know anything about their development. Um, But it Anderson also fits the Dodgers of trying to win now. Clearly, Lux yeah. is not in that win mode with the team right now. He just isn't able to provide. Tim Anderson is in that. He gives the energy. He gives the talent. He has, like, he's ready to win right now. He has the talent Correct. to win right now. So that However, is that side. I will say this. Different positions, but I'm 100, and I'm saying this 100% sure, with even with the struggles, Lux will be better suited than uh, Peterson is right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure, sure he would provide more than Peterson, whether even if it's zero. Yeah i I wouldn't mind seeing that. I don't know. Does Jock, does Jock have any options? Do we know that? I don't know. I don't. I want to say he might have like one or two. Like Barnes still has some, but I don't see why Peterson shouldn't have any. Well, Jock is actually. I don't know if that matters. He's still in his rookie contract, so it might not matter. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm, need to find a website where I can quickly look that stuff up but yeah I would imagine there's a way to send him down uh Dodgers are a big fan of the ghost IL too so (laughs) there's always uh that option as well but yeah I 
I would like to see Lux up there. I just don't know if I want to see him up there until he can get consistent at bats because I I don't want to see any service manipulation against him. I don't like that baseball is capable of doing that. However, if he's going to struggle, I would rather him just stay down and have that extra year of control. Like if he doesn't actually deserve to be on the big league team, I don't want to lose that year of control just because like we yeah. want to get him at bats. The, yeah, the, the consistent at bats makes sense. I think he'd be able to do that against right-handers. And then, of course, uh, Kike or Taylor, whoever can play against left-handers or both can play against left-handers since Peterson shouldn't play at all. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing any of that, but... That's really it. Um, I Yeah, that's really it. Little fun fact I had at the end. I figured I could squeeze this in somewhere, but I didn't. But the Dodgers currently lead the league in home runs, if anyone cared. Uh, Yankees and Padres come in at second. They have 42. Dodgers have 46. So Dodgers are crushing it. They're also 11-1 and one when they hit two or more homers in a game. So if the Dodgers hit two or more homers, we have a good shot of uh, thinking we're going to win that game. I was trying to test that theory last night. They didn't hit any homers, though. So, But other than that, I don't think we have anything else to talk about. I'm good. Do you have anything to talk about? Uh, No, I'm good. Dope. So with that, the Dodgers are on a seven-game win streak. They play again tonight. Urias is on the mound. They are in Seattle for two more games before Colorado comes to L.A. this weekend, which oh, should be. I did want to say something. Um, I know that they wanted to uh... – play games in both parks but if you're going to do back to back you should just play it all in one park or move the schedule some so yeah multiple people said that i think the dodgers would have been fine just playing four in seattle instead of doing what they did so this, yeah yeah this whole schedule thing's yeah. weird uh it, the, especially with everything going on that travel just made no sense yeah so uh yeah i don't know i agree but um with that said we got another game tonight Hoping to pull up eight wins, 2017 or 2009. Whoa, 2017, 2019. Uh, seven wins was their longest win streak. So we'll see if they can beat that tonight. Again, they're 18 and seven, killing it. Best record in baseball, best winning percentage in baseball. Got to keep it going. Uh, kind of surprised the season has made it this far, if I'm being honest. But at this point, I just want to see them finish it out and see what happens in October. So with all of that said, we hope you guys have a great rest of your day, morning, night. Make sure you follow us. Yes, follow us, Dodger Yard, my personal, Randy underscore Radcliffe. Uh, my personal is Michael Conan. And we will catch you guys next week. Bye, guys. See you later, guys.